uh, open your Bibles uh, with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 8. This morning as we enter uh, our season of celebration, celebrating the first advent of Jesus Christ, uh, we are going to look at uh, a little break from our normal study um, through the book of Acts. And so this morning, uh, we will find ourselves in 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to pray, then we'll read the passage, and then we'll make observations and applications as we go. Uh, so first, first uh, join me in prayer, would you? Uh, Father, uh, this Christmas season, we ask for but one gift. We ask, Lord, that by your grace, you would add to your kingdom people we pray that you would add our sons, our daughters, our nieces, our nephews, parents, grandparents. We ask, Lord, that you would add our neighbors, our co-workers, our classmates. We ask that you would add government officials and even those who are most ardently opposed to us, Lord. We ask that in this season of celebration, the church would submit herself fully to the kingship of Jesus Christ. The church would desire not a political solution to a spiritual problem in our nation, but that we would desire Christ and his benevolent and yet fierce rule over our lives. We ask that the churches in our region this, this season would make much of King Jesus as they gather to celebrate his birth. As we turn our attention to your word this morning, would you help us to reject worldliness to embrace your rule, to define justice according to your word? Would you give us a preference for Christ's commands over our predisposition to sin? We ask all of these things confident in Jesus Christ, confident in his atoning death and his resurrection from the dead as he is the king on our throne. Amen. Amen. As you're able, uh, would you please stand as we read the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God from 1 Samuel chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his first son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them uh, up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, Obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. 
So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us so that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. This is God's word. You can be seated. As we sang this morning, we want a king on a throne full of power with a sword in his fist. Will there ever be, will there ever be a king like this? You see, the desire of the human heart is a desire for freedom. Freedom from external control or influence. A desire for self-governance. A desire for self-rule and self-direction. In a word, autonomy. The fallen human heart wants no external control or influence over their life. They, want, they desire self-governance, self-rule, self-direction. They want autonomy. Another desire of the fallen human heart is to covet that which their neighbors seem to possess. The depraved human being desires self-governance, void of external control or influence, and then whatever their neighbor has that seems pleasing to them. But since humans don't live in isolation from other humans, people also desire to have a leader. And what do they want the leader for? They want the leader to protect them from external control, external influence. Leaders that will pave the way for their own self-governance, their own self-rule, and their own self-directed lives. We desire a leader that will wield his power and bear the sword for them, that we might retain our autonomy and dispossess our neighbors of the things that we covet. In an oxymoronic way, we would be willing to put ourselves under the control or influence of anyone who promises to give us the desires of our sinful fallen heart. One who will promise freedom, who will give us the things that our neighbors, rulers give them. So you want a king. Well, the king that we want by nature is not the king that we need. And the question is, will there ever be a king like this? The king that we need. 
Let us look at verses 1 through 3 more closely here. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes, and they perverted justice. So as a background here, Samuel had been a circuit judge for Israel. That is, he traveled about from his home in Ramah as a mediator in judgments between men, those who had disputes between one another, and between men and God. And so historically at this point, Israel is or was a theocracy. That is, that God was the sovereign ruler uh, of his people. And the family unit had maintained some semblance of autonomy in that the the families uh, were underneath the familial leadership of its elders. And in essence, they were beholden to no one except Yahweh. And Samuel here is in his advanced years, and he is leaving, uh, because of his age, he's leaving the circuit, and he is dedicating or delegating the traveling mediation uh, to his sons. But his sons, they, they have used their position for personal gain, for personal self-gratification, uh, and they perverted justice. So what I want to do before we get to this idea of perverted justice, because we're going to see the justice of the king they ask for, what the king decides is justice. But, but here they are, uh, these men don't walk in the way, and so they desire a king like the other nations because they have perverted justice. But I want to take just a, a moment to, to look at a few things that might describe how Yahweh defined biblical justice. He defined biblical justice in the sense that there is personal accountability. That is that each person is accountable to God in themselves. They're not accountable for what another person does. They're accountable, in a sense, um, for their own sin. In Deuteronomy 24, 16, Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. In another way, Yahweh defines biblical justice as fairness. In Leviticus 19, 34 through 36, it says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. Another way in which the Lord uh, Yahweh defines justice is through collective responsibility. In Isaiah 1, 16 and 17, he says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And finally, another way to look at Yahweh's justice biblically is fourthly expressed as his, his justice is, can be described as merciful and generous. 
In Deuteronomy 24, 19, it says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, don't go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow. And the Lord, uh, your God, may bless you in all the work of your hands. See, the justice that God envisions for Israel and that he envisions them to live according to can be quite simply uh, summed up in what Micah 6, 8 says. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. But here, the occasion for this letter is that the ill government of God's justice through Samuel's sons has left then a leadership vacuum for Israel. So verse 4, here's this vacuum. They've perverted justice. They've taken bribes. Verse 4, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in our ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give to us a king to judge us. Like the other nations. Think about this. We want to be like the other nations. Well, Israel has been set apart by Yahweh. He promised that he would be their very present, ever-present sovereign ruler. He has promised and has shown himself that he has fought for his people. Israel was not like other nations in that Yahweh had chosen them to be a peculiar people under his guidance and according to his justice. But they would say, we want what our neighbors have. An earthly king to do justice, to be a king on a throne full of power with a sword in his fist. Will you give us a king like this? Well, kingship hereafter in the rest of the scriptures we know uh, in the biblical narrative, it becomes a major theme. This desire for an earthly king is not new to Israel. Even in the law, Yahweh predicted such a desire and he gave parameters for this desire. In Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 15, it says, when you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may, not, you may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. The desire for a king like that of the nations, it disturbs Samuel. You have a king. You have a sovereign God who is ruler. And yet, their desire is to covet what their neighbors have and to reject the God who is their king. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. 
According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. They desire a king. To desire a king like the nations expresses a covetous heart toward the nations and a rejection of Yahweh's rule. We will not have this man rule over us. Give us a king like the nations. Such is the heart of man. Give us freedom. Give us freedom from the influence and control of Yahweh, they would say. Give us self-governance. Give us self-rule. Just our, as our neighbors are entirely free regarding God. Let us be likewise. Give us a king. Give us a king as long as it isn't God. Give us a ruler as long as it's not him. What happens to us when we reject God as king? God gives us what we ask for. See, he gives us over to the consequences of our desire for self-rule, doesn't he? He does so according to Romans chapter 1. We desire to be our own king. If we desire to be like the nations in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Further, women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. This is the king they want. This is the king that they're asking for. Give us a king like our neighbors. Give us the world. Give us worldliness. And Yahweh gives Israel over to the consequences of their desire. And he tells Samuel to give them a king. Give them a king, but warn them that the kings of the earth will redefine justice. You say you have this desire for justice and freedom, they'll redefine justice for you. They'll redefine freedom. The kings of the justice will disregard equity. They'll disregard mercy. They'll disregard generosity. 
for their own sake, you will see. Verse 9, now then obey their voice, only shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Uh, the word ways here is really the same word for the word justice. We'll show you the justice of the king. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of, of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Yahweh says, I will give you over to the justice of the king you ask for. So you want a king. In the king's justice, you'll be a people without familial autonomy. In the king's justice, you will go from a tribal community beholden to virtually no one outside of that community and be beholden to a king as a nation. And this king as a nation will now be placed on the map as a geopolitical player. And the king will desire more power. And the king will desire global domination. And in doing so, he will, he will conscribe your sons to serve in his ambition for power. The king will place heavy taxes upon you, and this, this, these taxes will, fuel, will be fuel for his ambition to dominate the political map. Your work will be that as of a slave to the kingdom and to this king. His purposes will be served first and foremost. Your liberty will be taken from you, and you will cry out at the oppression. And in that day, you will cry out because of the king whom you have chosen for yourself. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Samuel warns Israel, you're making a deliberate choice in asking for a king like the nations and choices have consequences and you will have to live with them. Under Yahweh, remember, justice includes personal, uh, personal accountability. That is, that you alone answer for your sin. The justice of God is marked by fairness, collective responsibility, mercy, and generosity. The king who is like the nations is hungry for power, will engage you in battles on the world stage, will take you from you your freedom, your crops, and your earnings. So you want a king. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, 
but there shall be a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of the city, go every man to his city. See, Israel would prefer the bondage of the world rather than to be under the yoke of God. Israel would prefer the bondage of an earthly king rather than to be beholden to the control and governance of God. The world offers autonomy from God while enslaving the people to the ambitions of its leader. Given a choice between God's rule and a king like the nations, Israel says, give us the world, consequences or not. As we think about this Christmas season and we declare a king like no other, a king who is otherworldly, let us remember that we declare the superior kingdom of Jesus Christ. Let us remember that there is no political solution. We offer no political solution for our sons and our daughters. Our parents, our grandparents, our nieces, our nephews, our neighbors, even those who oppose us, we offer no political solution to their spiritual problem. They have revolted against God. There is no political solution for their revolt. But there is a solution in Jesus Christ, the King, that we proclaim. God has set His King on a throne. And His King rules according to the justice of God, not according to the justice of man. We who rejected the rule of God of our nature slaves to the world. But we were rescued by King Jesus. And that is the Jesus, that is the king that we proclaim, not the kings of the world. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has high, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We declare Jesus as a king, a king like no other, a king who came as a, as a servant, a king who in his own words said, I came not to be served, but to serve. A king, Jesus, is the king who sacrifices himself, that his servants may be welcomed into the kingdom. As we said in our confession this morning, for us, our king kept the law. For us, our king atoned for sin. For us, our king satisfied God's wrath. He took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe. Think about this. This king in Israel, whom they asked for, a king like the nations, robed himself and then robbed the people to continue to clothe himself in splendor. Our king, Jesus, 
took upon himself not glory and wealth and all of those things. He just said, here, I will take your filth and put it on me and I will take the royalty, the royal robe of righteousness and I'll place it on you. Our king gave us honor. Our king gives us honor. Our king is not selfish. Our king is selfless and loves us. And he takes his robe off and says, I'll take your sin and you are royalty. You are royalty in the mind and heart of God. What a great king. See, our king is the king that Colossians 1 declares. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, our neighbors and our friends, they will get justice from God. If they choose autonomy to choose self-rule over, over the control and direction of God, they will get his justice. But we need to cl- declare the truth that the justice that they deserved was meted out on a cross of Jesus Christ for their sin. That justice was given for their sin, but it was taken on upon by Christ. And in His righteousness, He takes His robe off and He places it on you, your, His precious gift. Those that will turn from sin and believe that God raised Him from the dead, they are declaring that Jesus is the King. And, and what they receive from God is mercy from God. But, and no damage whatsoever is done to the justice of God because the justice you deserve has been meted out upon Christ. So I would ask us this Christmas season to think about this. Who is your King really? Who is your king? Who rules your heart and your life? Will the government offer you the justice of God? Who's your king? Sometimes you decide you are king. Well, I'm going to leave you, oddly, with the words of Bob Dylan. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I think we know that we desire a king like Jesus. We desire King Jesus and what our neighbors, friends, nephews, aunts, uncles, grandparents need this Christmas is for us to declare the benevolent love of God in King Jesus. So I pray that God would give a gift to us this Christmas in revealing King Jesus to people we love who so desperately 
need to know him.